my first experience with psychedelics, and I had never, ever tried anything like this before. It just took away all of the, it felt like cancer was just this black cloud hanging over my head and walking and living in this dark cloud. And it lifted that completely. And the next day I said, I saw my cancer being in a box beside me on the floor. And that's where it has stayed. And it really took all of the weight off of me. And uh, I would have been happy just with that. What I didn't know was, was that it was going to send me on this journey of, of just uh, really figuring out what's important in life and what matters. And just because I have cancer doesn't mean it has to affect me every day and all of those kind of things and a lot of self-discovery and digging into what really is holding me back inside. Not dealing with your emotions and just shoving them down causes these diseases. And so I started to see my cancer as a symptom instead of the disease and really working on my emotional well-being. And that's when I turned the corner and started getting better. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Psychedelic Conversations. Today with me, Laurie Brooks from Dosed 2, Trip of a Lifetime documentary movie. She was 53 when she was told that she only had six months to a year to live after returning of her colon cancer, which then put her on the journey to seek psychedelic medicines healing. Welcome, Laurie. So amazing to have you with us. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here and chat with you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to tell our audience um, that your documentary movie has moved me so deeply. Um, there was a premiere in London last year. I went to see it. And then the entire entire movie, I just sat there in tears. And mm. it was just so moving. And then another few months later, it was premiering again. And I went again just because, you know, it was just, it was so real. It was just so raw. And and also um, being in the psychedelic space myself, I tend to meet a lot of those people who get diagnosed and always told there is no hope. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that I really wanted to have this conversation with you is to listen to your story and what was that journey like? If sure. you could um, give our audience maybe your background and and how did you come to do this um, create this uh, documentary sure well um i'll just tell you about myself first and my background i'm married to my husband glenn for 35 years uh we have four adult children adult I'm not sure how to say that anymore <laughs> four kids 31 29, 27, and 25. Um, And so my background, I worked, I was a bank manager. uh, And in 2016, decided I want, 
wanted a career change and I was uh, I left that and was going back to university um, to study nursing and thought that would be a good place for me uh, for the end of my career and I was two years into it when I was uh, diagnosed with cancer and had to drop out and now after five years of cancer treatment I have absolutely no desire to be a nurse <laughs> I've seen too much um yeah so big a big switch in direction uh, that was completely unexpected no history of cancer in my family up until me um so yeah it was a real shock even though i hadn't been feeling well for about a year and a half and going trying to figure out what was going on um finally diagnosed with colon cancer uh in February of 2018. Yeah, that's right. 2018, I get the years all jumbled up now. <laughs> um, so I went through the first year of treatment and they, I was told that if ever, everything went well, I would live well into my 90s. But So I went through a year of treatment, surgeries, chemotherapy, radiation, everything, and finished that seven months after I found out that I, it had returned and that's when, um, yeah, all that's when I was told that I probably had six months to a year to live unless the next treatments worked. <laughs> so not a lot of hope um, and was feeling a lot of distress and grief and all of the things that you would normally feel. Um, and uh, we had gotten together with friends, two couples every week um, for the last, previous year, just to have dinner together and watch TV, just have a chill time with a, not having to think about cancer or anything. That was kind of our routine. And uh, one night we got together and uh, I gave them the news that my cancer had come back. And one of the couples, would, it was Dave Phillips, who's also in the documentary. He was, he's a good friend of ours, but also a therapist. And he was starting to look into psychedelics as part of therapy. So he offered it to me. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> um, so that's how it all started. And my first... My first experience with psychedelics, and I had never, ever tried anything like this before. Um, it just took away all of the, it felt like cancer was just this black cloud hanging over my head. And it, I was walking and living in this dark cloud and it lifted that completely. And the next day I said, I saw my cancer being in a box beside me on the floor. And that's where it has stayed and obviously it comes out every once in a while when i'm feeling sick or i have to go for treatments or whatever but it really took the, all of the weight of, off of me and uh, i would have been happy just with that but um it also what i didn't know is it was that it was going to send me on this journey of i call it my magical mystery tour <laughs> <laughs> of just uh, really figuring out what's important in life and what matters. And, uh, you know, just because I have cancer doesn't mean it has to 
affect me every day and all of those kind of things and a lot of self-discovery and digging into what really is holding me back in inside um and i read uh, gabor mate's book um when the body says no and the connection the mind-body connection and how you know uh not dealing with your emotions and just shoving them down causes these diseases and so i started to see my cancer as a symptom and instead of the disease and really working on uh my emotional well-being and that's when i turned the corner and started getting better this is so wonderful thank you mm -hmm. so much for sharing so i should also say that yeah. i skipped over a part so i went through another the second year i went through another year of treatments the traditional way had a big another big surgery to remove the cancer and four months later it was back again for the third time so at that point i went okay now i'm just i don't want to do any more treatments i'm done uh, and no more surgery and that was what they were offering me was more of the same and i thought what's the point in that i've done it twice and it hasn't worked so i'm going to try something different and that's when i really started to work on my emotions and my internal self which and then i which is when i started to improve and get better results on my scans yeah yeah and this is depicted really really well in the mm -hmm. documentary movie mm -hmm. it takes takes the viewer on a journey and mm -hmm. it is so raw and real it's um I felt like you represent all of us in the West, mm. in you know, in the Western model of living. You know, mm -hmm. just carry on, keep pushing yeah. your emotions down. Don't have to look at these things and just keep carrying on. You know, doing right. life. And it was um, probably the, one of the reasons it resonated with me so much. And I can't even comprehend to begin with what it might take for someone to first of all face the news. Mm -hmm. And then the journey itself. I mean, I speak to so many people who are diagnosed with terminally, uh, you know, terminal illnesses, and they always say it was a gift. And I'm still yes. trying to understand how does this work? How can this be a gift? Yeah, I know it's hard to understand until you go through it. But I really see it as a gift in a lot of ways, too. Um, it forced me to take stock and to really um, think about what I value most. And turns out it's not stuff. <laughs> it's my relationships and, and connection and, and the love that I have with my family and friends. That's what's important. And uh, yeah, it just changed my outlook on everything and how I do life. I like to say, I think, I went from a human doing to a human being again, instead of rushing around trying to achieve whatever. And, you know, even just finding freedom from. Now I go for a walk just to enjoy a walk, not to wear off calories, right? <laughs> we are so used to everything. We do everything for a purpose instead of just relaxing and enjoying life and seeing life as a gift and embracing it so 
Yeah. yeah. And and this exact thing that you said seems to be very difficult for so many people to connect. Yeah. To connect and be in that awe and the beauty of life to experience right. it in that way. Mm-hmm. Unless unless there is something to crack open us, you know, like a leverage, you know, I right. I like to call it leverage. And this could be when we face or get really close to the end of life or at least right. death, you know, it just kind of shakes everything out of place, right? And then and then recalibration. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it's a choice that we have too. You either it either stops, makes you stop and stick your head up and look around and say oh, this isn't working in my life and this isn't and I need to change these things or it does, or you don't. You can yeah. choose to not as well, I guess. But yeah. but for me, I just knew that that's what I needed to do. Um, and, it, yeah. and funnily enough, it was when I started to get good news, that's when I really had a hard time. Because, and wow. <laughs> everybody's surprised by that, but I had worked so hard to be okay with where I was at. And and my cancer has caused a lot of, you know, I, my body is different. And uh, I was good with that short term. But when I started to think that it might be longer, that was a real struggle. That I might have to live with these things and all the stuff that I have to do on a daily basis that nobody else has to do just to maintain (laughs) and uh you know it was a lot to comprehend and go oh i might be having to do this for longer than a few years so yeah and just to oh what is my life going to be now and where do i belong that that was a real struggle too and and it People always are shocked when I say that, but, but uh, yeah, I'm it was so hard. Happy, yeah, I'm so happy you speak to this because mm-hmm. it's like um, making a U-turn. You know, it's like making a U-turn, exactly. and now you have to get to know yourself all over again. Exactly. Except exactly. What, what just yeah, I don't know if you remember the scene in the documentary where we're driving around and talking and and about and Glenn keeps talking because I couldn't talk that (laughs) I had no words to say uh he was all excited about my scan coming up because the last one had been good and positive and was all excited and I just was not feeling it I was kind of a little pissed off to be honest (laughs) like what is going on and when am I ever going to have control over my own life again uh, was what I was feeling, and but it was hard to express that because everybody else was so excited, and uh, so yeah, wow. it it took a while for me to to be there and be happy about maybe being around a little longer. Not ha- yeah. I was happy about it, but but it was a, an adjustment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what does it take for one to? face this and then really be in it and then come out the other side and carry yeah. on working because I'm, I'm carry on living and being and learning relearning it's you know I know so many people 
survived cancer and very different. Their stories mm-hmm. are very different. And there's always this despair just hanging over their shoulder. I, I know lots of people. That yeah. This despair and the uncertainty. I guess yeah. is it to do with being okay with the uncertainty? What 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 goes on in I one's mind? I think it's all of it. It's definitely the uncertainty of not knowing. Um, I still live with that every day. I don't know what's going on. I'm not. I my cancer. I can't feel it. It's deep inside of me. So I have no idea what's going on, which actually is kind of nice in a way, because I don't feel sick. Normally, if I'm, I mean, there's certain things that I have to do to keep myself feeling well, but, but I feel fine. I'm happier than I've been before for a long time, because I've worked on all the inner stuff. So um, yeah, there's, it's hard to just make that adjustment. Um, and two, I think this last year, when I started to get good news, you know, automatically everybody's excited and, oh, what are you going to do now? Or when are you going back to work? And I'm, well, wait a second. <laughs> Can I just have a bit to catch my breath? And, uh, and really, it's taken a year for me because I might look okay, but I'm not okay. They look fine on the outside, but inside, I, I'm not okay yet. And it took, it's taken more than a year to be just okay and work through a lot of that stuff. And still, like, I'm getting teary-eyed now thinking about it because, you know, I can talk about the emotional stuff, and it's fine. It's the physical stuff that I went through that, and the trauma that I'm still working through. And I don't know if I'll ever be done that, but... I'm happy that I'm still here and have the opportunity to try <laughs> to get past it and get okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't talk a lot about the physical changes to my body because that's personal. And, and when we were shooting the documentary, I couldn't talk about it yet wasn't able to at all (laughs) it's so close isn't it it's so close to our heart and it's so deeply yeah there is something there and um, yeah anyone forget you know facing cancer but anybody who had gone through physical surgery and the adjustment to that the emotional adjustment to the new body Mm -hmm. is definitely Mm -hmm. definitely a huge task in itself yes Yes. and the scars and all of that stuff and the life changes too I used to love doing certain things I'm an outdoorsy person and I love being in the water and all of those things and just now I have scars and I feel uncomfortable at the beach and and I miss that and and my body isn't as strong as it used to be I used to love to hike up the mountains around here and and I just don't have the energy for that. But I found new ways of being outdoors. Yeah. And and just completely. finding new ways to enjoy it. Yeah. Complete readjustment to the whole mm-hmm. entire, you know, being. And also I and also I have a friend who gets me outdoors. And she was the one that got me hiking again, saying, It's okay. If you can't do it, we'll just turn around and She's been really helpful that way. And we do lots of outdoor stuff, kayaking and 
And it's just been a gradual realization that, oh, I can still do some of these things. I'm just a little slower than I used to be, but it's okay. I can still enjoy them. Yeah, and, and that's beautiful. I love accountability. The friends are great. Having a, mm-hmm. having a friend that could just provide that kind of accountability is amazing. Yes, yeah. and I have a great group of friends around me that have been a support. Support, sorry, supportive in so many different ways. That, and we always say we wouldn't have made it this far without our friends around us. So. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. beautiful. And I just want to share something very personal as well. Um, I actually went through a surgery mm. some years ago. <clears throat> and of course, this wasn't about some health issues. It was about I went, I, I undergone something uh, out of being vain and then, and then years later kind of backfired and um and then so you know to normalize the whole system i had to go for surgery and like you said the scar is always there and instead of instead of like of course there was a lot of readjustment so i really feel resonated with your story i really resonate with that and um and then of course there was an opportunity to correct it <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I decided not to. And right. I thought, yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to accept it and just live with mm-hmm. it. And, and you know, like, you know, you probably know this, um, you know, when you look in the mirror, you just know it, it's there and you're going to have to face that all the time. And I used it to actually empower myself to say, this is what it took to love myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that- I It took. It took that to, for me to realize that I'm more than just this. Right. This is just, and that, this is just the container that I travel around in, and it right. doesn't matter. And it's yeah. so beautiful. And that became my anchor. And it never, from that onwards, never felt negative about it. It's just so beautiful yeah. to have the anchor. It, it just is what it is now. And mm-hmm. I actually... Uh, when all of that kind of got resolved was uh, last fall, I was in a group, a resiliency group with, uh, with a bunch of women. And we had a, uh, at the end of the, this 12 week program, we had a medicine day where we did mushrooms and had a trip together. And at the end of that, I was able to, we were, I don't know what caused this. I probably will never, ever do it again in a million years, but I pulled up my shirt and showed them my scars. And uh, it was such a powerful moment to share with these women that I already knew so well because we had been on this 12-week journey together. And uh, they looked at them and said, we don't see ugliness. We see beauty and strength. And so that was the final thing that, kind of got me over the hump of just accepting what is and Mm. that's not to say I don't have days where I hate it I do (laughs) but the load was definitely lifted that day so Mm. that's I guess that's another lesson just you know the connection between people is what's really important and and feeling connected and especially in the world today after what we've been through the last few years we've lost connection with each other and and i don't know about you but i feel it yeah 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 
And uh, I love that you shared this as well. It's the, uh, just the last thing to say about the scars, it's the association that changes. The association mm-hmm. changes and no longer impacted as, as, as deep as it you know, would right. have been. And, right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, I still wish I didn't have them, but yeah. the load has been lifted too. Amazing, amazing. And we've, in terms of the disconnection, of course, I think uh, definitely we're feeling a lot of that in in the mm-hmm. post-pandemic era. I think yeah. the, the post-pandemic world is very different than... It is. Right? It's just... And on its own is a whole new readjustment and recalibration mm-hmm. for all of us. Doesn't matter where we are in the world. Doesn't matter what we're involved in and what we do. And again and again, you know, these things always lead us up to the relational connection and right. the power of relationships and the mm-hmm. and the importance of them. And in the documentary, you know, there was an incredible display of like your surrounding and having your children and your partner yeah. there. It was mm-hmm. so heartwarming to watch. Uh, it really puts things in perspective. You know, what are we doing here? You know. So exactly. Yeah. 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 So when you um, who so when you you know obviously having this documentary must be very disorienting in some way because of the legal <laughs> landscape and the whole complications and everything. So mm-hmm. did you kind of was there a little bit of a fear or something around doing such documentary or? you know, recording it? No, not a, not around the legal aspect. I had been approved uh, by Health mm-hmm. Canada to use mushrooms. Actually, I had already done them be- way before my approval, but, mm-hmm. but I had the approval by the time we started filming. And uh, so I wasn't afraid that way. Uh, it was more when I realized that I was going to be around still when the documentary came out I thought oh my god what have I said on on film that I'm going to regret mm-hmm. <laughs> but but the guys the two filmmakers they did a, a fantastic job and I did go a little uh crazy <laughs> I was so worried about how it was going to come out but they kept reassuring me that it was going to be fine and they're not they're going to cast me in a nice light and all of that so they had to reassure me quite a bit but but when I finally saw it I was just so happy with the way they had done it it was exactly what I would have wanted and I realized oh they they did hear what I was saying or they understood what I was trying to say, even if I wasn't even sure what I was trying to say. They got it. Yeah, it captured everything. It was so yeah. authentic. And what mm-hmm. I love about it the most is it wasn't so much about the focus was, yes, there was psychedelic medicines involved, but it wasn't the thing. It wasn't the main focus. Yeah. You know, yes, you, you did the treatments, but it was more mm-hmm. about the human side, the coming togetherness. and. Yes. Then, whole process of someone really going through the whole readjustment so that was really mm-hmm. captured well yeah. yeah yeah I I really loved the way they did that and uh you know we're not a perfect family by any means we have squabbles and fights and we're normal but but we actually that's another gift the cancer brought just learn to love each other right and be with each other 
in, even if sometimes we get irritated with each other, the bottom line is we still love each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So beautiful. Um, Laurie, mm -hmm. so um, this is the, the documentary is such a gift and I want to really link it to the show notes and I want the whole world to watch this. A reason being it captures this, you know, the, the clarity of it is not just the medicine doing the work. It's just right. the last thing that comes into the container, right? Well, that's what I always want to say to people. This was the beginning. My mushroom trips were the beginning of the road, not the end. I, there was a lot of work that I had to do afterwards. Yeah. And that, that was already captured in the movie. And mm -hmm. because as you can imagine now with the um, psychedelics becoming mainstream, there is lots of mis misleading information yes. and almost promoted as a panacea, which we know it isn't. And, no, uh, it's not. Yeah, yeah, so that's really important that this the, the documentary captured this message. And also, um, I know you are now advocating the use of medicines to help with mm -hmm. specifically cancer or just right. in general well-being. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm part of an organization now called Gathering Groups that just started. Actually, a friend, a good friend of ours started it, and, and that's the resiliency group that I was in. And it made such a difference for me that I've, I've started working with them. And, uh, you know, the changes in women that I've seen, um, women my age and older or younger, they're finding their voice. They, you know, they go through these resiliency groups and have their medicine day with a mushroom and they're finding their voice afterwards and realizing their worth as women. And, and it's just so cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone who's coming into the space quite late, because, you know, you said you never had any of these experiences yeah. mm -hmm. recreationally or any sort of way. And no. how, is that an advantage? Because I always thought that, that that was an advantage because I come from the same background where late, late years in my life, I discovered them and I thought, oh, wow, you know, I must have been living under a rock because I had no idea, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Did that feel the same? Because, but which it became an advantage because my relationship is different, you know, than someone yeah. who had a lot of recreational experiences in the past, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of how I want to respond to that. Um, I think for me, it was just the right time. Um, and I wouldn't have gotten as much out of it had I not been in the situation I was. Uh, but my two daughters, have also done uh, mushroom journeys and it's changed the, their direction in life, both of them. My oldest daughter, Bailey, she decided that she wanted to become a therapist. And so she's back in school working to become a, a therapist in the psychedelic realm. And my youngest daughter changed her major in university and she's becoming a teacher now and she's almost finished but and and just the, re the realization for them of who they are as young women and it's given them confidence in who they are so I think when I, I, I don't know if age makes a difference I think when you do it 
old, when you're older, you probably have more baggage to work through. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I believe the mushroom calls you. It, it sounds crazy to people who have never done mushrooms, but I find about every year, once a year, I feel like, okay, I'm ready. Again, I think it's time for a check-in. Um, I also held, I was holding space at a, a group uh, medicine day on the weekend, and one of the women was 82. And wow. she, her first experience, right? And it made a difference in just adjusting where, you know, coming to terms with uh, being at the end of your life and what's that going to look like. So, yeah, I think at whatever age you're at, there's always something that is worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, this is so powerful. I listened to Paul Stamets once about mm -hmm. they asked him what was his biggest regret, and he said, not tripping with my dad. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he just thought that, you know, it would be a, it would be not so positive if, 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 it's, if someone's much older and then suddenly right. discovering the medicines mm -hmm. in just in case, you know, because uh, I think the uh, the fear was around what if, you know, someone discovers them and they're, oh, my God, all my life, I could have done this medicine, then yeah. the trajectory of my life would have been different. So that mm -hmm. feeling, the grief of that, I think it, it, he thought it mm -hmm. could be too much. But then, mm -hmm. like you said, it meets everyone where they are. And what yes, it are. does absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, so the so the um, mushrooms are not legal in Canada, but you can be exempt if you have if you have yeah. a physical or if you have illnesses. Well, yeah, it's been frustrating um, because they were giving exemptions when I applied quite easily, and now they've changed everything because we have a new health minister in place and he is not as accepting of this idea so it's, it's been a fight and um yeah and and it's kind of disappointing it was very disappointing um the evidence is there and they have changed the process and made it a lot more difficult to get an exemption but um yeah, so that part is frustrating. Um, and I, I, yeah, I don't know what I was even going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, I guess it's also kind of a gray area that the police aren't interested in. There's shops in Vancouver, mushroom shops. And, well, the one that was in the film he's right on a main street in vancouver and he said the only time the police have come into his store is to check his uh security cameras because they had a robbery across the street because the police understand that this is helping people too and so there's not a it's kind of a gray area where and you're doing it inside your house so who's gonna know <laughs> right right and yeah, i always yeah. said that I mean, I can't imagine them coming and arresting a cancer patient because I've done mushrooms in, in my own home or in the safe in a safe space with a therapist. It's just and I thought at one point I should probably stop saying that out loud. 
<laughs> I might be challenging them. I don't know. But yeah. yeah, there's not, they don't have, there's no will to prosecute people either that are doing this that I know of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's looking kind of positive, you know, yeah. for it. in the next few years, I think it's going to change a lot. It will. It, it's coming, but mm. there's been a few roadblocks that I feel are unnecessary, but it'll mm. come eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you feel when you met Dennis McKenna? Were you aware of him before the brothers? The <laughs> well, it was funny because we had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were just mm-hmm. told that we were going to film with this guy, Dennis McKenna. Okay. No clue who he was, but um, they had hired, a, brought a couple extra camera guys that day because for whatever reason, and they were acting all funny about, they were so excited to meet Dennis McKenna. Glenn and I kind of looked at each other and, Oh, I guess this guy is somebody important. I have no idea. <laughs> it wasn't until after we had filmed that section and Dennis had gone home that I, I Googled, Googled his name and read about him. I thought, Oh, I had no idea. And he lives in the same town as me. In fact, our oldest son, Max, we told him who we were filming with him. You got to meet Dennis McKenna? (laughs) I said, yeah, I know where he lives, too. No way. (laughs) I said, if if you told people where he lived, people would be camped out on his yard. That's how (laughs) notorious he is. Oh, okay. (laughs) I had no clue. (laughs) Which actually was nice, in a way, because then we just had a normal conversation between two normal people, or three normal people, instead of us being all uh you know uncomfortable around him because he's a celebrity or whatever yeah that's why I said it's probably an advantage it was an advantage that you know you you filmed and then there was you didn't know because you know sometimes when you're in the space there's too much going on and then and then someone who's outside coming in yeah perspective and it's uh, Yeah. yeah you can tell the authenticity was there Mm-hmm. Um, did, did they carry on supporting you or was it just a filming one-off filming or was there like ongoing support from them especially from Dr. The, Martin for, well? uh, no I've only met Gabor well for filming and that was a little scary um, when they asked me to film with Gabor <laughs> so you want me to have a therapy session with a world-renowned therapist on film well that sounds like fun <laughs> Um, but I, we've, we're friends with the filmmakers now. We filmed for over two years together. So, um, they're still in our life and we we've gotten to know them, um, just as friends, which is nice. Um, but people like Gabor, I've met, I guess a couple times. He was at the premiere here in Vancouver too. And, and Dennis has met a few times, but, but no, it, uh, and Gareth, Gareth the, the guy who helped me with the cannabis, I've been in touch with him a lot too. He he checks in on me every once in a while, and we message back and forth. So it's been nice, and it really provided me with a lot. It gave me a lot of tools, really, to help me fight cancer. I would have never done the high dose cannabis had and and they provided all of that with 
through their context. So without doing the film, I wouldn't have done any of that. And, and that has definitely helped uh, to shrink my tumor and uh, just help me get the rest that I needed. And, and, yeah. But yeah, I've had lots of contacts because of the film too. And people have come around me that have seen the film. Like my daughter has a friend that's a paramedic. And uh, she was telling her, my daughter, Noah, uh, our youngest, was telling her about my last hospital stay. And it was pretty traumatic. And I was, uh, she said, if your mom ever gets sick, have her call me and I'll come over and give her uh, an IV if she needs it. And so that's happened. That happened about a month and a half ago. I was really sick. And she came over and checked my vitals and gave me um, injections of gravel to help with the nausea. So I, ha I got to avoid hospital. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many things that good things that have come about just, you know, people coming alongside and yeah. I have lots of tools in my toolbox now to fight this rather than just the chemo and all the traditional things. Yeah, so beautiful how yeah. people just, they can just come together. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, even finding out that people are kind. You know, there is a point in my treatment where I was bald and so thin. I was, I'm, I'm thinner than I've been in a long time now, but I was 30 pounds thinner than this. And so clearly I was sick and then I would go grocery shopping or and people would just help, just strangers, you know, can I reach that for you from the top shelf or so, you know, and, you know, you learn to, you realize that people are really are kind. Yeah. Yeah. That's so wonderful. So what really got me on my edge of my seat in the movie is, uh, well, I think everyone was when um, Gareth, his name is right. Um, mm -hmm. He was he was telling you how much you needed to take daily. <laughs> yeah. So the, the entire cinema, the entire, you know, audience were like edge of the seat, like, oh, my God, this is really high. And, <laughs> and then we watched you just going to sleep, sleep, sleep. And it yeah. was just like, how was that for you? Like, I can't that, comprehend. It's funny in the movie, but it was hard. Uh, I had no yeah. life for a few months. I just was at home, no connection with friends or we tried to come for dinner a few times with friends and I would just sit kind of completely out of it and wasn't able to even join in the conversation. And it was really hard on Glenn because he didn't have his spouse for six or eight weeks. I was just a blob on the couch. <laughs> uh, so it was hard. And um at the end of it, it took me about six weeks to build up to a gram a day. And then I was doing that for on that about three week, three or four weeks. And I had a, an obstruction, a bowel obstruction and was in the hospital and had to go cold turkey. And that's, that was, that was hard because I don't recommend that for anybody. It, it sent me off the deep end for, and I was out of it for a few months and it took me a while to get back to normal yeah I bet I mean going cold turkey sometimes can create mm -hmm. so much right 
even yeah. like also tells us mentally you must have been really robust because it can also can induce a lot of stuff like psychosis or well, that's, know, like that a mental is what, yeah mm. yeah that is what happened when I came out of hospital that time and uh, that's why I don't want to go to hospital again that, that was very traumatizing for me uh, and for Glenn and our whole family um, yeah it was hard and <laughs> I sent a bunch of texts out that I didn't remember and had to apologize to friends afterwards. Just crazy stuff. I didn't know what I was doing for about a month after that. And <laughs> just silly stuff. And I eventually told Glenn, just hide my phone. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're when you leave to go to work, hide my phone. And if I need to yeah. text you, I, I'll text on the iPad, but I hate texting on the iPad. So I don't, I know I won't text anybody if I don't need to. <laughs> wow. So, but yeah. Um, and I'm still, so after that, I, I actually talked to Dr. Seeley, who's in the documentary. He, he's a cannabis doctor here in Canada. And also I, met a cannabis doctor in Portland at the screening there. And uh, they both said that studies show now that you don't have to be on the high dose, just uh, find the level that you can manage at and stay on it for a year. So that's what I've done. And I'm just starting to wean myself off now because we're traveling and, and I can't take it with me and it's time. Yeah. 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 So wow, what a journey, Laurie! My God, mm. it's 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 so good for me to just hear the you know behind the scenes story from yeah. you. It's because the movie uh, there were times that's quite funny with giggling and laughing yeah. and 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 I love that they captured the the lightness that you you continually bring that into the mm -hmm. into the mix, which was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like that too because it's not all heavy. There's been a lot of laughter and and that's a choice, I think. I can focus on the heavy and the bad, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I have to, just to work through it. And yeah. but yeah. But I don't have to live in it every day. No, I don't. Yeah. I have a tumor that's about four centimeters by I can't even remember. That's how much I think about it now. Um mm -hmm. uh, down on my left hip and I I always say that's how much room I'm willing to give cancer wow yeah it's I mean so brave and so much mm -hmm. courage in doing that so in fact I call now, my tumor I call my tumor Frank and we have conversations every once in a while and I let him know that anytime he's want, wants to vacate the premises go ahead but if he's going to stay he has to just be quiet <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's just, gosh, it just takes away all the edge off the the hole. It, it does. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's I think my greatest uh, weapon is just having a sense of humor. Yeah. And sometimes that gets in the way too. And I have to tell my sense of humor to be quiet because I need to deal with some serious stuff. But, but it's definitely been a tool that's helped me cope. Yeah, and we could see that. We could see mm -hmm. that in the documentary as well. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was wonderful to witness it. So, Laurie, so you don't have to be on the cannabis anymore, like wean off and then 
it's it's not mm-hmm. the, these medicines not something that you have to be on forever now or do you right. just kind of recalibrate and come back well, anytime yeah i the cannabis doctor that i met in portland he said you need to be on this for the rest of your life just on a low dose but if your scan if you have a bad result on your scan just up the dose again um but the brain fog was getting so bad that uh i just realized i need to come off of this for a while <laughs> because right. no and i'm still doing chemo a light a low dose chemo that i take by a pill um which gives me freedom to ha- have a life um but the mixture of everything it was just so getting to be a lot for my body to handle so i'm trying to wean off the cannabis and we're tra- we're going to be traveling into the us next week and uh even though it's legal in all the states we're going to you're not allowed to can't not allowed to cross the border with it mm-hmm. Um, so you'll be traveling into the US and yes. so you said carrying it with you is going to be a bit you, of a struggle. I can't cross the border with it. So mm-hmm. I have to wean myself off, um, mm-hmm. which I'm looking forward to doing as I really, uh, I'm tired of being so foggy headed and yeah. 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 Sure. I need, and, I need a break too. Yeah, sure. So your projects going forward, just travel, um, kind well, of, is, is anything, anything coming up that you need to yes. be part of? The oh, big, big news. Um, mm-hmm. two things actually, one, I'm going to be a grandma in about okay. five weeks and Congratulations. That I didn't think I would get to see. So super excited about that and almost crawling out of my skin <laughs> with excitement. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, Glenn and I decided to sell everything and travel for a year. That had been our plan. Um, if I were to get sick again, that we were going to sell our home and everything and hit the road and just enjoy life together. And then we realized over Christmas, that's a dumb plan. Why are we waiting for that? <laughs> Why aren't we enjoying ourselves now? So we just sold our condo and last week moved out and we're living in our trailer that you saw in the film and traveling around. So we're going down um, to a few film screenings in uh, first in San Francisco and then LA and we're spending a week in LA going to Disneyland and Universal Studios and all the fun stuff. And then just slowly making our way back to Canada after that in time for our granddaughter uh, our granddaughter's arrival and then spending the summer here um, and then going to hit the road again and just travel and see some sites that we haven't seen before and just enjoy life. We're going to be work. I'm going to, I'm writing a book about my story. So we're going to take some time uh, to both. We both want to write and try our hand at that. And so that's what we're doing. Yeah, and that's a great See, news. I like takes it. Yeah, just kind of tapping into the flow and then just sort of mm-hmm. letting go of, you know, I love this, you know, just kind of embracing the uncertainty and just kind of going exactly flow. Yeah. Yeah, and we're at the point in our life now where, you know, we're getting to the end of our careers and what do we actually want to do? It's not I don't want to go to back to banking. Why would I do that? I, I feel like if I just went back to my old life, I would be dishonoring the journey that I've been on. 
Um, and I can't do that. So, uh, yeah, we're just trying, we're taking the opportunity to do things that we've wanted to do for years. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do when you're raising a family and all of that (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a a great, you know, this is a new chapter, new, yeah. uh, you know, just to enjoy at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So great. Um, what would you, uh, as we coming to end of our conversation, what would you say to our listeners, um, those that are affected by cancer in their family themselves or anyone, you know, loved ones? What would you, what would your message be? Hmm. I would say, don't lose hope. This is a little harsh. Uh, I have cancer patients call me all the time to find out what the things I've done. Um, And I'm always willing to talk to them. But I always say the one thing that I had to do first was get uh, accustomed to and comfortable with the thought that I'm dying. And I had to accept that fact before I could get better and and stop fighting. Um, Gabor said to me in the after actually, I don't think it's even in the film, Gabor Mate. After we finished filming, he, we were just getting our shoes on, ready to go, and he said, "You know, you talk about fighting cancer a lot, but and he said you look perfectly healthy to me and happy. Why don't you start saying you're living with cancer?" And that kind of flipped everything for me. I went, "Yeah, I'm just living." So yeah. I guess my my advice would be to. You know, get to that point where you're just living with cancer and not fighting. And yes, there's a lot of fighting that you have to do, but but uh, there's a lot of living too in there. And take time. Don't go. Don't just go back to your old life without digging in. If you if you can, I was lucky enough to have a husband that was willing to, uh, you know, work while I was trying to figure all these things out and give me time to do that and yeah so don't try just I don't even know I'm trying to come up with something coherent here but there's so many things just yeah uh you have to come to terms with a lot of things and and uh it's not just about healing your body but healing your soul too yeah, yeah, I think that I think that would be my my advice. Work on healing your your soul as much as your body, and at least even if it doesn't heal your cancer, at least you'll die knowing who you are and being very confident in the love and relationships around you. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much again. And I'm really looking forward to maybe reconnecting after several months and, and mm. continue like following yeah. and keep in touch. And if, mm-hmm. if the movies, uh, I think movie will be out soon, but uh, we'll link it to the show notes and I would love our audience to check it out because it was, yes. I think by, by offering this story, your story to the world, you have already done so much for everyone. And mm. I can feel that. And I just want thank to take, take this moment and acknowledge you and thank you for everything and your courage. Really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. It was and lovely to the, talk to you. And to you and all the best with your travel and uh, hope to see you very soon again. Thank you. Yes. 
Thank you. And the film will be playing around the world April 21st to 28th in theaters. You can look it up on at dosemovie.com to see dates mm -hmm. and screenings in wherever you're at. So. Yeah, definitely. I will be posting that in the show notes and then also to our subscribers because I think uh, it's just every so often, you know, one of these movies come through, you know, come in and then it just changes the way we see everything. And I think your movie is exactly that. It just so, you know, moved me deeply and that leverage into like having that, you know, putting everything in perspective, I think. Mm -hmm. This is the time for that, and it just speaks to it to that really well. So thank you. Yeah. In fact, I would say do it now before you have cancer. <laughs> yeah. 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 And um, yeah, it's wonderful message as always. Mm -hmm. So hoping to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. bye. Now. Bye for now. Thank you, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed this session. Please do get in touch with myself and Laurie. We'll have her contacts and the, and the link as well in the show notes. And um, I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.